0: So this is where I would normally jump in real quick and say it's another retro throwback sidetrack bonus episode of the Hive Jive. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, it is a bonus episode. But I wanted to pop in here before this one actually starts and point out that in this specific episode, there is a segment in here where we go on a, well, I go on a tangent about a specific beekeeper who we have mentioned time and time again on the show, sometimes referred to as she who shall not be named. Um, other times referred to as other less flattering things and uh, that segment in this episode itself was originally recorded on October 8th of 2020. check out the episode see what you think and then tune in after the episode to hear an update on whether or not my opinion has changed oh yeah by the way this episode is titled Total BS enjoy. <laughs> Hey, all you Hive Jive junkies
1: out there, it's that time again. Join our hosts, John Swan and Ken Milam, for another bonus edition of The Hive Jive.
0: Okay, and we're off to the races again. Again. <laughs> for a second time. We are now in uh, in our in-person, makeshift, rehearsal space temporary studio again today so that we can come to everybody, quote unquote, live. Mm -hmm. And we are, uh, this is your Patreon bonus episode, following up immediately after the, what was that? The Honey Sensory live, quote unquote, live via Zoom tasting that we did uh, on Monday. And, uh, you know, so for everybody out there, um, I, I did make a little joke about the fact that Ken sounds like... He is in a truck, uh, wasn't like a truck on a cell phone in a truck in a oh, hole, okay. and that's that's literally what he was. <laughs> wasn't a no pickup. He was in his truck. He was in his pickup. He was on his cell phone. He had on kind of like a trucker headset, mm-hmm. and yeah, and uh, we intended on that actually only being an hour long. <laughs> And it was like two hours, mm-hmm. and uh, got dark. It, it did get dark. <laughs> Ken slowly faded into obscurity as the, the sun set behind him, and the truck got all dark. And then he had to go and and finally, eventually, flip on the dome lights of the pickup. Yeah, I wasn't thinking because I've got
1: all of my led lighting i could have set up and i didn't know it was gonna be
0: till it got dark i could have put the lights up no trouble didn't know that it was gonna be uh an after dark experience Mm, no not at all (laughs) i didn't either and i felt bad um even Uh, though it like it wasn't really any doing of our own but i I mm. felt bad i was like oh my god we ran so far over on this episode (laughs) but uh anyhow so what was your overall impression of the, I know that you were kind of at a disadvantage because we weren't really sure if you were going to be able to participate. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we were hoping that the new phone would be in and be set up in time that you could. But you at did. the same time, we did not actually prepare you a a slide of samples, yeah. Yeah. so you didn't get to actually do any of the tasting. Mm-hmm. You just got to listen and watch her and I. So, from a third party perspective, what was your overall opinion? It was interesting, you know the uh, some of the honey
1: I knew. Of course, you know the honey we got from Jarabamba. Did I get that right? Jarabamba. 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 From uh, down under, that was oh, that's good honey. Yeah, that was good honey. But and, and then she even said, "Well, it tastes uh, well, well like a burnt." Sugar, you know, I'm sitting there. Yeah, that's butterscotch, and then it then it has a milky flavor. Yeah, that's more butterscotch, and then uh, she well, and then you says, well, tell her what you think it is, Kenna. Where there's original lodges, you know, butterscotch, <laughs>
0: butterscotch. Oh yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yep. You were, you were vindicated in that yep. you were, you were very justified. Um, and that was the, that was me, you know, being like, all right, now you can't get overly excited. You can't tell her what it is before mm-hmm. you start. And it, I was getting such a kick out of you though, because we had three samples that were our normal spring, summer and fall, and then mm-hmm. plus an additional spring honey from the hotel. hmm and then we had the Jerabombra, mm-hmm. and we had two honey infusions. Mm-hmm. And you were like, every time we would move to the next, and you'd be like, "Oh, I know what this one is." And I'm like, "No, you don't. <laughs> not yet. We're not there yet." <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was a, definitely an interesting experience to go through and do. And I was better at identifying some of the names than I thought I would be. But I also, I had the color wheel there. Yeah, I you had, had the, the wheel. I had the tasting wheel. So I could look at it and I could say, you know, because sometimes if you're if it's just left to your own imagination, it's hard to come up with those words. But if you're like, okay, I get this thing and it kind of reminds me of this, and then you look at the will and you're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's right there. So that fits and, and here's the word to describe it.
1: I wanna know who in the hell tasted honey. That tastes like dirty socks. Well, that tastes like a rancid dish rag. Where the hell did y'all sucking on that to get that flavor from? Um, That's called goldenrod.
0: (laughs) Goldenrod is uh, a very distinct dirty sock smell when they're when they're processing it in the apiary. You can tell when they're pulling in and that because you'll go by and there will be a musty, dirty, yeasty sock kind of smell. And then the uh, like when they're doing snow on the prairie, smell like a dead man. You'll well, no, it it gets uh, it's a a sour, um sour bitter almost kind of smell in there mm-hmm. a little bit. And some of the like bitter weed will do the mm-hmm. same thing.
1: Bitterweed has a nasty flavor taste to it. I yep. got a bunch of that.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of things that that bloom right now in the fall mm-hmm. that the bees pull in and they they hit all of those categories. Oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> but the, I think the worst one, and it is something that Buckwheat will do it, and there's uh, something else that's closely related to the Mm -hmm. buckwheat that we have around here that will do it as well. But it is a it it gives you that cat pee taste, that that aroma. Yeah, that aroma of cat (laughs) pee. It's it's almost like an ammonia (laughs) overtone to it, and that is actually one of the things that's on the the color wheel under animal is cat pee. (laughs) Wow.
1: I'm glad I did I like to had one of those just to see what what
0: rotten deer quircus, What? <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different kind of honey that well that would be um do you remember last year when we did our scary bee stories yeah and I went through and I talked about like some relatives of the honeybees there is a vulture bee and they do feed on carcasses, and they do make a quote-unquote honey, but it's blood. It's a blood honey. Um, wow. So you could actually have a rotten deer carcass. That that could be a thing if it was from the vulture bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I don't think so.
1: Well, maybe if you mix a little jalapeno and some uh, salt in it and then laid it out and dehydrated it till it's crispy and... uh made jerky candy.
0: Yeah, but it still started rotten. off as a rotten carcass. So, I'm going to go with no on that no, one. No, I don't think
1: so. Yeah,
0: I don't think that's a great idea. So, that's uh yeah. So, I hope everybody enjoyed the the main segment episode this week that was our our honey sensory and uh I um at the time of recording this, have not fully finished editing that. So it's really kind of fun because everything is all jumbled up in like our world of time versus your world of time when you listen to these things. But hopefully that comes out. Okay. Uh, I do think that when we use third party systems like zoom, um, you know, we're completely reliant upon the technology and and computers and things that the other individual participants have. And so therefore the sound quality can be a little goofy. Um, she had a laptop, apparently. She was on a laptop. I yeah. was on a laptop. Um, I was on my phone. I was on this little bad boy right here. Yeah, okay. and you were you were on your phone. Um, but with her, though, so with yours, I don't know if it was truly going through the mic on your headset or the mic on the phone. because okay. Because you were far away from the phone, and it sounded like you were far away i have been going the phone yeah I don't know on that one but but so you did sound like you were further off on hers though the thing that got me is I was watching her and she wasn't moving any further Mm-mm, or closer her, yeah. from the from the computer but her volume would steadily increase and get louder and then it would come back down and get quieter and then it would <laughs> it was like a really weird kind of like ebb and flow to the sound of that and you know unfortunately there's not uh, them. ebb and flow yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> do they go with the dude on your shirt? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you had to look like, what am I wearing? <laughs> what shirt do I have mm-hmm. on? <laughs>
1: this is my deep sea headquarters shirt. Oh, is, it's got a pirate ship. It right does have there. a pirate
0: ship, so that's kind of like a, a Captain Jack type mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. You got a skull. It, it, it kind of it's very Pirates of the Caribbean meets nineteen eighties cop. Pretty much because mm-hmm. it's got them aviator glasses, and yeah. you can see a pirate ship reflection in the glasses. Yeah. The rest of it is just a kind of a gray tie dye underwater type look. Yep. Red Dragon Pirate. Yeah, it's the Red Dragon. That's the pirate ship. Red Dragon Pirate Cruises. Yeah,
1: Red Dragon. They got a Red Dragon. They got a Black Dragon. All right. The Red Dragons in Port A, and the Black Dragons down way down south. All right, Deep Sea
0: Headquarters. We expect a little kickback on cash (laughs) for that free promo. Oh man, so, oh, see, I could have got that one. Too. That's all right. I can't move very far. The no, but I, I but I can still here, say something. Hello. It okay? Now I got back. It is and it's not. Now you're back on. Okay. But I, I wonder if that just changed it to where you couldn't hear it in your mic because it still looked like it was here. Talk again.
1: Hello, hello, hello. I don't know.
0: Hello. Anyhow. I can't hear it in my mic. In your headphone.
1: Yeah, when you did that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering yeah. if it because I I still saw sound lines on here though. Oh, okay. That so.
1: Been, well, Duff has picked up on yours.
0: No, it was I was looking at uh, at mic number two. Okay. I am really going to have to listen to this entire episode to edit it. Guess <laughs> we keep mm-hmm. having all Those these were sitting there these yeah. random BS things in here. So while we're at that, I'm going to take a drink of coffee. Random BS. You're you're the next contestant on The Price Is Right. Hmm. That means you got to come up with the next topic.
1: Oh well, then that's if that's the case, then I'm going to change out a bunch. I know you want some of the queens that I've got, but Max has want. He's already come up with a a queen or two he's wanting, and I got to change one top bar. Remember the top bar that we put the barrel into that was a feral colony. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to change one of those to uh, uh, carniola. so I may have one or two queens left. That's fine. I'll bring them.
0: I mean, if you obviously, what you should do is utilize the ones that you have for whatever you need. Yeah, well, um, if I get them, if
1: I have some left, I'll bring them to you.
0: Okay, that'll work. We can we can go take them out to the farm and find something to put them in. I still have the one Scratz that is going to be installed. Well. In in real time today, Mm -hmm. in in podcast time last weekend. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Will be installed last weekend because I have a time machine. (laughs) I
1: think the Scrats do good as a Gen 2 here. Well... We've lost three Scrats.
0: Yeah, but I still don't know... But we
1: put them in in early summer and mid-summer.
0: Yeah, I still don't know, though, the... um, The factors behind why you lost them as far as like because the bees killed them that's why oh on those they yeah. rejected them yeah okay gotcha so they just when you did the original introduction they they offed them before they ever had a chance mm-hmm. or they offed them after they started laying some eggs
1: no because one of them uh, maxi they laid because that's how we got a gen 2 queen, uh scraps Yeah, it's, it's, and that gen 2 is a layer Good gosh, she's a, she's a layer.
0: So the only downside, and this is something that you know we've talked about before, mm-hmm. and something that whenever I was doing the interview with Jim Astley on the Homestead Hens and Honey, mm-hmm. we theorized was that when you do have a Gen 2 or a Gen 3, you've got an open-mated queen. Mm-hmm. That can kind of change what's actually going on um, as far as you end up having a queen who's pure blood and she should have all these amazing attributes. Mm-hmm. One of those attributes, though, is that they are a tiny little bit quicker to respond to the pheromones of of like the sting attack and, and guard pheromones, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you take a bee that already has that natural trait and mm-hmm. then you breed them with some of our open bees, mm-hmm. which have an even greater response to that, then you do end up with what Mark had always described as, well, the scrats are just too damn mean and I'm not ever going to do them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that parallel comes in. If you took those scrats and you you raise them in a northern state with a bunch of super friendly bees everywhere, right. you're going to end up with a scrat that is more than likely super friendly and mm-hmm. still has all those good attributes that you want. You raise them in a southern state where you have high of genetics and you're going to end up with a bee that is testier, than not. They um, are. They were. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of one of the things to see. But I'm gonna be installing one of the scutellatas and I'm installing her in a colony that is already mean. And I'm yeah. gonna see what happens with that. Um, and see if they, you know, taper down mm-hmm. and, and kind of get calmer or or not. So we'll kind of see how that works out. But
1: you know the other day we put six new queens in and six colonies and those six colonies, they were all feral. They've already calmed down. And they, she, well, she's not even out of the cage yet. Yeah. They haven't opened up, but they've already calmed down. I couldn't believe that.
0: Well, that's one of the things that is <clears throat> is kind of interesting that becomes like it gets almost into like an esoteric kind of uh, viewpoint on things. Because we know from a genetic standpoint that when you put a new queen in, it's going to take her... 21 days mm-hmm. for the first round of brood that she lays to hatch. Mm-hmm. And we know that the average lifespan during like the main flows for spring and summer on a, work, a worker or a forager bee is six weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you go through and you're like, well, the older meaner foragers are constantly dying off, but there's still a new wave of nurse bees that are graduating to foragers and guards. Mm -hmm. So it takes a total of six weeks to completely process and cycle through Mm -hmm. so that the second generation from her is now the first generation's out and the second generation's coming out. And therefore, you've replaced most of the genetics with her genetics and you truly see that genetic change. Mm -hmm. But despite all of that, there are plenty of times where you've got a colony that is just irate and mean as hell Mm -hmm. and you change their queen. And within a day Mm -hmm. they're completely mellow. Yep. They've mellowed Yeah. And there is nothing else that changed except for the pheromones generated by that queen because Mm -hmm. none of her genetics have taken over yet. Mm -hmm. So that's all an attitude disposition, you know, and there, there is something else going on there that we don't quite understand but it is very interesting because I've seen that happen several times and people are like, well, I know that you said it would take six weeks, but man, they just like, they were just the calmest thing the next time I mm-hmm. went out there and I'm like, yeah, it's I can't explain it, but it happens. And
1: also on some of our, our Queens, we were sitting there, Max, you know, we had six Queens in a box and he busted the box open and they were all, you know, how they glue them to the top, opened them up and that's Max. Look at all those bees on top of that queen. We're gonna put them in that box because they've done chose her. <laughs> <laughs> they selected their mom. Yeah, they done selected their mom. I'm they're over. I see they either were wanting her out or they wanting to
0: kill her. So we're gonna put her in there. and Find <laughs> out. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the scenario behind the numerous times that I have flooded the inside of my truck with bees mm-hmm. is I have left queen cages in there with queens in them, <laughs> had the doors and windows down and open, and... Here comes all the queens. Yeah, well, we here, come, here come all the bees, and then they just pile up. Like, I've covered my entire center console. I've covered up the whole inside of one door. Um, I've covered up a seat before where I come back, and it's just like you can't see the actual material of the truck. All you see is just tons of bees. <laughs> and I'm like, oops. <laughs> so then I have to kind of scoot them out of the truck.
1: I don't work that way when I leave my um, swarm commander open. They just try to, they fly around the doors. Yeah. Where they can smell the swarm commander. But see, but I, I don't mean, leave them open. Yeah.
0: You didn't have your doors and windows uh, down and open. They would so. come in. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have done that numerous times, and every time I do it, I laugh, and then I mm. take a picture, and I think to myself, "You know, you really think you would have learned have. Yeah. <laughs> that this is what's going to happen here if you leave it open like that? All kinds of bees are going to mm-hmm. come inside the pickup truck." Mm-hmm.
1: So is that are we telling people don't keep your bees inside the truck, and run the windows down because they're all going, they're going to start living in your truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Not necessarily. No. Um, it's not a, uh, I mean, it might be a scary prospect for somebody who doesn't want to ride in the vehicle with a bunch of bees. But um, when yeah. I've done that out at the farm, it's it's easy enough. I go and I take the bees out and I take the queens out and I put them out like on the bed of the truck. Mm-hmm. And then I shoo all the bees around so that they start flying
1: And they fly
0: out of the truck because then they can't find the queen anymore. And then once they're out of the truck, I can grab those queen boxes and shake them back off and jump in the truck and shut the doors and take off. (laughs) So it's easy enough. And of course that's all in full B suit as well. Oh yeah. So, um, random side note. Okay. She who shall not be named (laughs) and her TikTok millions of video followers, um, Natalie had an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And this is purely speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there has been a lot of speculation going around. but one of our one of our listeners who will be listening to this episode also was a family member shared one of those videos with her. Of this, you know. Oh
1: no, then Somebody got stung. No, 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 no! no.
0: Right. It was more of just a, you know, like I'm saving the bees and I'm doing it barehanded and I'm putting them into this box and and I have gotten to the point where I can understand the signals of the bees so well that they don't sting me because I I understand Ow. their communication, <laughs> to which I call bullshit. Yeah, I know. Um, but so I have often said that I swear some of those photos have to be taken when it's cold because the bees are very thick and densely clumped on top of the frames. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and then she's got the frame right up beside her head, Mm -hmm. those tight black tank tops, and Mm -hmm. then all the other stuff going on. Well, Natalie noticed something that in one of these videos that I hadn't, because like they irritate the shit out of me. So I don't I don't really pay too much attention to them. I've kind of avoided most of them. But Natalie saw one pop up in her feed the other day and she was looking at it. Her hands are wet. And the bees kind of look a little glisteny. And so- She's wet everything so they would be cold. Natalie is suspecting, and again, this is all speculation, hearsay, mm-hmm. um, that she has either misted them with cold water- mm-hmm or misted them with cold sugar water Mm -hmm. to, quote-unquote, calm them down and slow them down so that she can stick her hands in there and pick up handfuls of bees and hold up frames. And I hadn't never paid that much attention to it, but Natalie was like, if you watch that one video, you can see her hands are wet. And I was like, you know, that's, first off, shame on you for being a snake oil salesman and going out there and doing things that misrepresent Mm -hmm. and give the impression that the bees in this area are so tame and docile that you can do that. And getting these younger teenagers stung and hurt and causing problems for the sake of followers. Mm -hmm. Shame on you.
1: Uh, I had a guy one time he was kinfolk folk, Karen Sue, my wife, and he, uh, he learned how to, well. It was kind of the shady side of the, her family, but he had been in the penitentiary and learned how to take care of bees there. And they, he said, well, what we do is we spray them with vanilla and water to make everybody smell the same. And that's yeah. how they mix them. Yeah. And he says, you spray the inside of the, the hive with it. You spray yourself with it. And then they don't notice any different. Everybody smells the same.
0: Yeah, that is, that is something that when you're, when you're going through and you're mixing a colony, you can definitely do that. You can use, and vanilla is a much better approach than some of the essential oils, because again, the essential oil mixed into water isn't going to truly emulsify and therefore you're going to burn the bees if any of the oil, pure oil gets on them. Um, But doing water and vanilla is a good way to make everything overwhelmingly Mm -hmm. smell the same. Mm -hmm. And then you can take bees from multiple places, put them all together, and by the time they clean themselves off, they've also then spread their own pheromones and intermixed them and... and now I got the hiccups. And, and uh, <laughs> smell familiar, so therefore it doesn't cause any problems. So yeah, that is... And But see, that is a a tactic that works for combining colonies mm-hmm. and getting them to accept each other and potentially not kill a queen. But that in and of itself like the smell of vanilla is Mm -hmm. not going to prevent a bee bee from stinging you. Yeah, it wouldn't. But now the cold water, Mm -hmm. that slows them down. Sugar syrup or sugar water, a little bit of sweet in that, Mm -hmm. is going to make them be focused on cleaning each other, Mm -hmm. and it also makes them sticky, which Mm -hmm. is bad for the bees because then it could prevent them from flying and and cause other issues too. Um, So, I mean, it's just, I, I hate to say it, but there is one other individual here in town. Um, who we have talked about in the first season about being (laughs) like the bane of everybody else's existence. Mm -hmm. He is not part of any association, not part of any club. He is the individual that constantly tries to go through and pass legislation Mm -hmm. that solely favors him Mm -hmm. when he's the biggest crook out there who should not have any of that type of control or influence over people. But he often tells people, I never get stung. He calls himself a bee whisperer and he never gets stung. And his wife will, you know, contradict him and say, you no, know, he comes home with like hundreds of stings at a time. And it's really sad to think that this other individual who has all the potential to do things correctly has chosen the, you know, sell your soul path of, of how to do things and, and how to get followers and everything else. It's just really sad. To see that, yep, it is so. And and again, you know, it it sends the wrong message and it gets people hurt and it's very frustrating. So,
1: to wear your suit
0: and don't get stung. So, and your gloves. One of our listeners made the comment that we could just start recording in my garage. And then when we got on top of these little quote-unquote soapbox moments, we could mm-hmm. literally stand on top of the bee boxes and and then, and climb up on our bee box and, and have a rant and then climb back down. Mm-hmm. I started laughing and I was like, yeah, but there's not any room in my garage because of all the bee boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Too much crap.
1: Mm-hmm. That's one thing you do gather in this it's Crap or
0: bee boxes? B boxes. You do. And crap. If you're doing Langstroth... <laughs> certain you you gather way way too much um because you're laying stroth boxes you know it like right now in the fall we're pulling boxes off mm-hmm. and when they come off they've got to go into storage mm-hmm. and then you've got to find somewhere to put them to well, store
1: you them set, well you, that was you can just set underneath a uh, awning eh. and let the bees clean them out and uh the moths, if if you turn them crossways, then moths ain't going to hit them too bad anyway.
0: It depends on the comb. If it's all white virgin comb that hasn't ever had brood in it, sure, the moths will yeah. pretty much leave it alone. That's what I got to. If it's brood comb, you can't do no, that. you can't do that. Yeah. You got
1: to put that, uh, you got to freeze that and then put it into bags and then put, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. There are, uh, there's a couple of things. I think I put it in here. So there, there's a couple of things on next week's main episode that we will go through and discuss. Um, we're going to be doing a listener, listener question and feedback kind of episode and kind of catch up on our stats and on Patreon and all that fun stuff. So that'll be coming out next Monday, um, but there is a little thing in there about, um, well, there's a question in there about treatment, but it reminded me of something that I saw on social media this last week about treatment. And uh, so there's a little caveat to that that I'm going to to throw into that subject matter as well. So anyhow, so you've been doing combining and consolidating. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know where your colony count is now? I'm counting.
1: Uh, I'm counting. I got <laughs> three, three. <laughs> uh, Three across the road, four across no we got three across the road. One, it's gonna be around twelve. Twelve? After yeah. after you consolidate. Mix, that's everything. And there are twelve big colonies. Yeah. only reach, only small one I got now is the the cutout. And one of the top bars, and I think that top bar will come back. That's the one that we took. and We put the uh, it was out of a uh, meter box. It was the little swarm. It was tracks. one of your cutouts. Yeah, yeah, And we we had fed fed put them in a box, and we didn't do a lot of feeding. Didn't build them up. We requeened them. And then we put them in that top bar the other day. You know, well, been what three months ago now.
0: <laughs> the other day, I do that all the time. You know? The other day, dude, that was like two months ago. Well, you know, <laughs> it was the other day.
1: It wasn't a, the other day though. But uh, then the the, uh, the uh, one that we have, that's one of them. I'm going to requeen. That's the swarm that we've had in the barrel. Yeah, and that. Getting big. <laughs> it's the, getting big the
0: barrel that i knocked down on the ground <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: it's getting big yeah so uh we're gonna we're going to uh requeen it because it's feral now, now
0: the, are you requeening just because they're feral
1: no we're them because they're damn mean okay just checking yeah and then now we've got max had to show me he says dad can we only show you something and he opened up one of his colonies that was feral. And he put an OHB queen, uh, Italian queen in there. They're the most laid back bees I've ever seen now. Yeah. I mean, they are just, ah, high five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After we had worked six mean, damn uh, feral colonies. And he said, Dad, come we look at this bunch." Well, hell,
0: they didn't even want to fly. <laughs> yeah. So I, you and I were, you called me evening before last, mm-hmm. and I was out working bees, and it was an absolute failure uh, of an evening. <laughs> so I was doing, um, I was requeening for some consultation clients, mm-hmm. And I had done one top bar in town earlier that day for one lady, and then that evening I was going out to um, it's about twenty three miles kind of southwest mm-hmm. of Austin, out near Driftwood area, and going out there to another client who had had nine Langstroth hives, mm-hmm. and we've combined a couple, lost a couple, and so there's there's one, two, three, four there's five or six remaining colonies mm-hmm. out of the original nine. Um, but one of them is like when we found it, they they weren't doing well and they were queenless. And so we found a queen in another colony that was getting ready to swarm. We found queen cells. And so we took a frame with a queen cell and we put it into that other colony. So they let her hatch and and raise their own queen. Mm-hmm. And then later that queen ended up being, you know, like a little she devil. And it was a, it's a very small colony. It's Mm -hmm. only five frames in size Mm -hmm. and they were just mean as all get out. So, you know, we were like, all right, that's how they're acting now when they're only, you know, like 15,000 bees in that box. When they get up to 30 and Mm 60,000, can you imagine what that's going to be like? And so I told the homeowner, I was like, we're going to set this one up for requeening. So we did. Um, and, and, I went back out there two nights ago to do the physical requeening and could not find the queen. And I I am not bad at that. I am usually really good at going through finding the queen, pointing her out immediately kind of thing. I went through this box frontwards and backwards and frontwards and backwards. And then I started removing frames. And then eventually I had all the frames out of the box and I knocked all the bees off the sidewalls and I kept looking and I couldn't find her and I was getting frustrated and it's getting dark. And I still have to go do another queen as well. And you called and that was like in the middle of all that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, it sounds like a lot of bees because I laid the phone literally right on top of the frames. Mm -hmm. And we're going through, I'm chatting with you. I'm still looking for the queens. When I got off the phone with you, I was at the effort point (laughs) and I was getting way beyond just exasperated with this whole process. Mm -hmm. So I I ended up shaking off every single frame one at a time so that the bees would have to march and spread out. And as they did, I was looking for the queen and I still couldn't find the queen. (laughs) So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm done. They're horribly, horribly irritated. I'm irritated. This, we're not getting anywhere and the sun is already set at this point. So I went ahead and closed that one back up. But I'm already out here because I had to drive 23 miles to get there. So I went ahead and opened the other colony up and tried to go through it. But by that point, it was by cell phone light and flashlight and tried to find that queen and couldn't find her either. And uh, finally was like, all right, this it's not happening. I will come back tomorrow morning and do it again. And so I did. I went back yesterday morning and found both of them first try, <laughs> you know, like three or four frames in there. They were took them out, off them, put the new queens in. It was just ridiculous. Um, But, so, you know, again, we all have those moments. Mm -hmm. But while I was looking, I also went ahead and checked the other colonies out there. And there are two colonies that are in 10 frame boxes. One of them has five drawn comb and frames that are actively being used Mm -hmm. and five frames that are empty foundation. Mm -hmm. And the other one has six comb Drawn and used, and four frames of empty foundation. Mm-hmm. Now, in both of those scenarios, this is like a this is a catch twenty two kind of scenario. My first instinct would be to combine both of those colonies mm-hmm. and have one colony with ten fully drawn out comb and, and foundation mm-hmm. or comb that they are actually utilizing and, and use. Mm-hmm. I would also keep probably the queen from we'll say the colony on the right because her brood pattern is solid and there's a lot of it and it looks really good. Mm -hmm. The other brood pattern is kind of splotchy and it doesn't have as big of a population, but it has more food stores, oddly enough, than the one that has a bigger population. So my first instinct would be to combine those. And obviously all the empty frames of undrawn foundation go away. And then you have to figure out what you're going to do with the rest. Do you give them... I would give them all the frames of brood at this point Mm -hmm. and and take the food and freeze it and then could be given to another colony at another time or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's my first instinct. The second instinct though is if you have a five frame nuke box that's solid wood, especially Mm -hmm. if you can insulate it as well, I would actually, if you don't want to combine them, take both of those and transfer them back into a five frame nuke box. Then you're only eliminating one comb Mm -hmm. From one colony and the other one's perfectly fine mm-hmm. you're condensing all of those bees into a smaller space that they can guard more easily and, and, and regulate yeah thermoregulate and keep warm better um and then they can overwinter as they are but if you leave them both in the 10 frame boxes mm-hmm. with four to five frames empty then eh, i don't know That's they may 50. they may not it yeah. depends like if you insulate that box really well mm-hmm. they may do just fine because then at least that that empty space on the other side is helped by the, the thermal insulation, the R rating mm-hmm. provided by the insulating of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are all things that when you, you know, especially this time of year, we got to keep those in mind and consider them. And that's what you and Max have been doing out there is going through and combining. And mm-hmm. I told you in one instance, don't be afraid to combine multiples. Yeah. You know, if you've yeah, got, got
1: three and I'm doing on one.
0: Yep. Cause if you've got a, if you've got a colony that's tiny and like the one you gave an example of had two handfuls of bees yeah, and then you're combining it with another one that's two handfuls of bees well that's still not enough bees no, to not. really survive the winter mm-hmm. so go ahead and add a third one in there you know and just keep going until you get a decent sized colony. It can be tricky it really can mm-hmm. So I will uh, I've I think everybody out at the main apiary for me is good. Um, I will know later today cause I have to go run the tractor and mow and install one queen. <laughs> this is so we shall see, but I think everybody out there is good. Um, I also think that Jorge hit one of the hives with my truck and <laughs> turned then, it over and then didn't say anything about it. <laughs> it's the, so it's either that or Bigfoot's out there screwing with shit. <laughs> one or the other, it's gotta be one of those two things, but He had the truck, uh, it's been a few weeks back, to go and do a small removal. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those, pick up a container and and just bring it back. And we were trying to decide where to put this container. And normally they don't go to the main apiary. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, you know, there's a little grove of trees back there behind where the top bars and stuff are. So if you put it back there, it probably would be fine. Well, this thing is um, metal Mm -hmm. and it's heavy and it's... I don't know, what is that, like five foot long, yeah, four foot I'm long? like that. Um, and apparently he couldn't carry it by himself. <laughs> so he tried to drive it out there. Well, he drug it <laughs> to the truck on a sheet. I know that. <laughs> and then somehow got it up into the bed of the truck. Excuse me. When he got to the apiary, though, I didn't even think about it. But put I know where load. he put it, right? Yeah. And I went out there. So I'm mowing in stages at the moment. And I took the push mower and the trimmer out there last weekend and mowed up close around all of the Langstroth hives. And then I went over to this one top bar and here's the kick. It's a freaking top bar. So it's not like he hit a Langstroth. He hit a top bar. (laughs) And the only reason I'm saying is I think he did it and I don't, I'm fine because everything is fine. It didn't hurt the truck and I don't think it hurt the bees or the hive, but that top bar hive is standing up on top of cinder blocks Mm -hmm. And then it's got giant double curved Spanish ceramic tiles that set on the lid to hold the (laughs) lid down. Okay. Okay. One of those ceramic tiles was four foot off to the left of the hive in the grass. (laughs) The hive was not setting on top of the cinder blocks. It was about six inches from the cinder blocks, (laughs) but it's still upright and it's still in the same position. And so without like getting up there close and looking at it from a distance, especially considering all the grass out. There's like waist high at the moment. Mm -hmm. It looked perfectly fine. And then I'm out there and I'm mowing and I walk up. And as I'm walking up, I get that, that sixth sense, that tingly sensation where your hair stands up because something's out here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've had that several times out there, especially when I'm out there after dark, it's probably a deer or something large, but I will hear something move and snap and crack. And I'm like, Oh shit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm out there and I stop and I, I turn off the mower and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at that and I'm like, something's wrong. And one of the cinder blocks was turned up. Like I have them flat where the holes mm-hmm. go, th- you know, go vertical, mm-hmm. but it was turned up. So the hole was horizontal facing up. And I noticed that one of the, the top Spanish tiles is mm-hmm. flung off over to the side. And I'm like, what the hell? And then it dawns on me. The hive is not even on the cinder blocks. It's off the cinder blocks. And I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> like what? A bear? What happened? Exactly! Like what happened out here? And what? What? Who was messing with this?" And I was so just dumbfounded by it. But I went, and I almost couldn't pick up the hive. I couldn't pick up the whole hive at all to get it up on the cinder blocks. So I had to scoot it over to where it was as close to the cinder blocks as it could be, mm-hmm. pick it up, and then basically kind of bend it and slowly move it to where it's barely on these two cinder blocks, Mm -hmm. then run back to the other side and pick it up and push it so it's on those two and then keep wiggling it till I get it centered on the cinder blocks (laughs) and put the top and everything back on it. I will have to check today to make sure that whatever did truly hit it, plus me trying to put it Mm -hmm. back, didn't break any of the comb because I have Mm -hmm. no idea. Um, But it wasn't until I was finished that it clicked. The only thing that I can think of that would have been big enough to do it is the pickup. And if he backed the truck, because that's that's where you have to go to the, get to that area is mm-hmm. back there by there. If you back the truck up through that area, I could see him clipping the hive mm-hmm. and it pushing the hive, but the whole thing just basically tilting the center blocks and falling straight down <laughs> where it's still upright in the same position, right? Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I can think of. And I don't know if he doesn't realize he did it, or if he knows he did it, Ain't gonna tell you. and was just afraid to say anything about it. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. And I haven't brought it up to him yet. It's been like three weeks now. And I haven't said anything to him. But I was like, hmm, it's the only thing I can think of is that he hit it with the pickup.
1: <laughs> Jorge is John's helper.
0: Yeah, everybody, at this point, I think everybody should know yeah. that. But Jorge works for me primarily doing removals. Yep. Um, he, is, he is one of the removal specialists underneath uh, the Wicked Bee Removal Company. And he does help out there at the Apiary. He's actually got he his own hive is out there as well. And so he does help out there from time to time. But primarily it's it's doing removals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's just it was just funny because it was it's one of those like, you know, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, I, I I'm not upset by it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of more amused <laughs> by mm-hmm. it than anything. <laughs> but yeah, that's my speculation. I'm like, hmm, something is amiss here.
1: Have to do a little detective work.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so.
1: Maybe you find a truck.
0: Find a, find a tire, green tire, tire, tire track. Well, so the grass is tall enough that I did think about that, but I didn't see any. Okay. So, but I do know that he, he said that he had to drag that to get it to the truck. Hmm. And so that just makes me think there's no way he drug that up that hill. <laughs> and then back into that cove, he drove the truck back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he was backing the truck up, cause that's how I always do it. I mm-hmm. drive in backwards. Um, if he was backing the truck up, I could see where he would, you know, possibly nick that because you got to go between it and one of those salt cedars. But I don't think they're salt cedars because the bark's not the same color you said. But mm-hmm. whatever, those damn bushy trees are out there.
1: Oh, it could be desert willows.
0: It's not a desert willow. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. now, I know, I know the desert willow, and they make beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. It does, it does have the resemblance of a true willow because it's got skinny, short, little leaves, and but it just they just go straight Taste up. Them.
1: Taste it if it's salty it's salt well
0: salt cedar. salt cedar I'll, I'll be out there today so I'll look you know what I bet I could just pull the damn thing up on my phone. Google's amazing yeah um, <laughs> anyhow well okay so we we should uh, we should probably wrap this up because that was mm. a, an unintended uh detour <laughs> departure that, that, that's our rambling for today yeah, it's definitely <laughs> rambling for sure <laughs> bzz, 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 bzz. Mm-hmm. All right, well sir, shall we wrap it up? might as well. All right. Take her off. Well,
1: family, y'all be safe, be careful, and be good to each other. And uh, hope y'all got some honey. We're fixing to try some here in a little bit. See y'all in a little while. Or, no, <laughs> that was my radio. <laughs> y'all be good. We'll
0: see you. <laughs> <laughs> be happy, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.
0: Hey, so you're still here, huh? Decided you wanted to hear that update after all? <laughs> Well, that's okay. It's only fair. Um, And to cut right to the chase, no, my opinion has not changed. In fact, if anything, uh, the visceral reaction that I have to these types of stories and this specific individual, unfortunately, has only increased over the years. This podcast started back at the—well, we started recording episodes in 2018, and we started releasing them in the beginning of 2019. And it was not very far into this whole— process that this specific individual started kind of coming up and attempting to make a name for herself and and was getting out there and started coming up with the very clever ideas. Um, Now granted we don't always give her a lot of credit about a lot of things but there is one thing that we do have to give her credit about and that is the fact that she is a marketing genius. You've heard Natalie say that and myself even Ken has mentioned it before. So we will give props to that fact but the underlying drive for this whole thing has always been the fame. And I have said that multiple times over. It's not so much truly in it for the bees like we want everybody to think that it is, but it is absolutely in it for the fame. And to that point, she has gotten exactly what she wanted. She has the fame. She has the followers. Her TikTok videos have been phenomenal sensations around the world and she has gotten the opportunity to do things like be on Jeopardy, be on other game shows, do a bee removal from Jason Derulo's house and more recently be on Joe Rogan's podcast which shame on you Joe you should have picked a better person to actually have on your podcast who might have had a little bit of energy and personality but that's a whole different story. This is really just about my personal opinion And there are other people out there that share this opinion. And we know what happens when anybody tries to go straight on at this monster of a storm that she herself has become when it comes to these types of things. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, there was a beekeeper in California who straight up called her out on her BS and stated Very blatantly that most of the things that she does and most of the videos that she posts out there are staged in one fashion or another because it's all about the glitz, glam and the fame, the wow factor that can bring in more followers. And that individual who was brave enough to stand up and say something, which you will hear throughout the podcast seasons two and three me mention these things as they're happening in real time but looking back on it now it's really a great shame because one of the biggest things that i've always said was you need to take responsibility for this image that you have put forth yes you've got the fame and everything else and you know what in some respect yeah you're doing great because you are getting people interested in bees however You're also setting them up for failure, and you're setting them up to get hurt and to be injured. And I've mentioned in this podcast, in another podcast, where I've had to deal with the fallout of that and had to go through and coach people through these devastating experiences that they've had because they tried to emulate something that they saw this individual do on social media. And then when it fails and they get seriously injured and in some cases hospitalized, they blame themselves. They just must not have been a good enough beekeeper. They just weren't zen enough. If only I were. And that's not the case. That is horribly sad, and that truly pisses me off still to this day. And the biggest thing that really gets me is that not once has she ever taken responsibility for what she causes when she puts these false expectations out there. Now, why am I going through and actually doing a a real-time update on this? Very simply because just today, I was shared a video on Instagram from Chris Pratt. Yes, that Chris Pratt. Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic Park, Chris Pratt. The Office, yeah, that one. Chris Pratt states in his reel that he's posted on Instagram That he follows this female beekeeper who's just so subtle and zen and talks so peacefully and understands the bees and knows the bees and these bees just look so calm. You know, the whole shtick that we've heard now for the past several years. Well, he even says that because of listening to her and watching the things that she does, it built up a false sense of security in himself that he too could do this. And so he approached a beehive and he was warned. Caution, there are bees there. But he goes up to it anyway because he says, these bees look calm. <laughs> these bees are calm today. Chris got stung in the eye. And in the video, he does take it off and he show, he, take, he has glasses on. He takes it off and he shows that he got stung in the eye. But that's the first time. And he he's not directly calling anybody out. And he even still says in his own comments, Like, you truly inspire me, you really do, but seriously, though. And that's kind of the thing. Until anybody really starts standing up and some of these bigger name people start standing up and saying, you can get people hurt. You, at the very least, need to have some sort of disclaimer that says, do not try this at home. I am an expert. I am a professional. I might stage my shit and put things up that uh, you wouldn't normally be able to do without very specific circumstances. (laughs) Anyhow, you have to have some sort of disclaimer out there to say this is not for the average person to go through and do. I have touched thousands of removal colonies. I have managed 50 hives on top of over 175 removal and quarantine hives all at the same time. And I would never go out there and tell somebody, oh, yeah, no, just go ahead and and shove your hands inside this feral colony and see what happens. It's fine. It's going to be okay. You always should educate about safety first. One of the first things we teach beekeepers in any of our beginning beekeeper classes is that you always have your smoker and you always, at the very least, have a veil. If you find that the bees are in an actual great mood and you are calm enough and confident enough and the bees are okay with it and you choose to go through and manage that colony without any protective gear on your hands, that's fine. If you choose to take the veil off because they are being calm and docile, that's fine. But at the same time, you have the protective equipment there. So if something goes wrong, if you accidentally drop a frame, if you bump the hive if you accidentally squish a bee and they get pissed off, you can turn around and put that protective gear back on immediately. And these are for beekeepers. Now, the downside to all of this is that the majority of her following is not necessarily people that are currently beekeepers. They're people that are fascinated by bees, but otherwise, they're the general public. The layman out there who doesn't really know anything about bees except for what they've maybe seen on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And if you are following specific influencers that's all about the fame and the following, you could be setting yourself up for failure, injury, and even hospitalization if you do not take precautions. So leave that kind of stuff to the professionals. Now, one thing that is not professional, and one thing that I started to mention earlier here uh, and then kind of got off on a rant, (laughs) imagine that, is that lady who did have the courage to stand up to her and call her out on her BS, do you know what happened to her? her entire life was ruined because she had the guts to stand up and say, this is wrong, you should not be doing this. And in her own words, I am a female beekeeper and I know the reality of this and I would never try to tell somebody that it's otherwise. And because she had the bravery to do that, no good deed goes unpunished. The followers of She Who Shall Not Be Named lashed out at this individual to the point where they literally threatened her life, ruined her career, she had to close her business and basically hide. All because she had the guts to stand up and say something was not correct and it wasn't accurate. And you know what? At this point, we don't care. We I mean, if you're if you were intelligent enough to understand that most of the things that are posted online are staged so that you can get that perfect light and the perfect angle and the perfect shot. And there are things that may have to be done to stage these types of glamorous, immaculate, make-my-life-look-like-it's-amazing type of videos and photos. Most of us should get that. But if you don't, that's really where the problem comes in. And when you are a person who has that platform and you're out there and you're able to go through and reach all of these individuals but you never truly caution them and you never truly educate them on the safety that is required for this type of thing, that's on you. That is a horrible disservice to your followers and to everybody, both beekeepers and non-beekeepers alike. When your followers lash out at another individual that you know deep down in your heart is right and you say nothing and do not stop them, and allow them to ruin this person's life and career, that's also on you. That is a horrible individual. That is not a role model, and that is not someone that youth of America or anywhere else in the world should be following, and you absolutely should not try to emulate those types of people. So there you go. There's your update from 2022 going into 2023. My opinion has not changed. I stand by that opinion. And in another episode, which you may or may not have heard, it is unapologetic. And uh, that's it. That's really all I can say is uh, hashtag sorry not sorry.